everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. Some time ago, I was going to a conference in California, and I thought, well, I wonder if I can find my old friend Kevin. I've known Kevin since we were 13 years old. He and I went to the same church, went to Bible camp together. I had a Bible study in my house when I was in college. Kevin would come to the Bible study. But then I heard he stopped going to church. And I hadn't seen Kevin for 30 years, but I tracked him down on the internet and I called him and said, you know, Kevin, I'm going to a pastor's conference. Can we have dinner? And he said, sure and I'll introduce you to my wife. We got, I got married two years ago. So <clears throat> I get to California. Kevin's a heart doctor. I drive out to his mansion on the water, and he gives me the tour of this house, impeccably furnished, view of the water, and I'm thinking, whoa. Well, his wife, I meet his wife, and we're having dinner, and she said, I became a Christian a few years ago, I was raised with nothing, and then, much to my parents' chagrin, I've become a Christian. And I said, oh, great. And Kevin leaves the room for a minute, and she turns to me, and I wish I could get him to go to church with me. And I said, well, I'll pray for that. But here's what we're going to do on this program today. My point is, from all that, what's the use of having a mansion in heaven, I mean on earth, if you don't have one in heaven. What I want to do for this half hour is to ask the questions that people most frequently ask about heaven, and let's find out what the Bible teaches us is true. So bow with your heads with me, if you would. Let's pray for just a minute. Lord, we want to pray. I still pray for Kevin. Pray that he would come to know you, Lord, and get him into a good church. And Lord, many people probably are watching this show that rarely go to church. My prayer for them, Lord, is that you will get them into a good church and that they're trusting Christ so, so we'll not just have a mansion on earth but one in heaven. Speak to us, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Question number one that people ask about heaven. Will I know my loved ones in heaven? Will I know, oh, there's my mom and there was my Aunt Gertrude. And, and, and Well, you know, a, a friend of mine said, to me, we're not going to care. We're going to be looking at Jesus when we're in heaven. And, and I think that's a good response. Nevertheless, let's ask the question, will I know my loved ones in heaven? Well, I think the answer is yes. And I get this from Luke chapter 13, verse 28. Jesus said, you will see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of heaven. So if I'm in heaven, I'm able to tell, well, that's Abraham and there's uh, King David. And there's Mary Magdalene. If I'm going to know these saints, I think I'll know, well, there's Grandma. <laughs> now, um, you understand you won't be married in heaven, so you're not going to be married to your spouse in heaven. And Jesus said, those who are considered worthy to attain to that age, 
neither marry nor are given in marriage. So there is no marriage in heaven, and the reason is, you know, we, you, you don't have to repopulate heaven with children all the time because nobody dies up there. So you won't be married in heaven, and you won't become an angel either. Jesus said, those who are counted worthy to be attained to that age will become like angels, meaning that you'll be single, like the angels are single, but it never says you become an angel. Nothing about harps either and wings. <laughs> um, and then sometimes you get this question, okay, Will grandma be 90 years old for eternity? Or my six-month-old daughter, when she died, will she be a baby for all eternity? And I think the answer we got to say is the Bible never addresses that, so only the Lord knows. We know that grandma and your baby will have a glorified body. There'll be no arthritis, no death. You'll have a perfect new resurrection body. But, you know, what people look like, we don't know. Question number two. Very common question. Do you go to heaven immediately or do you sleep until judgment day? <clears throat> well, there are two views in the history of the church on this. The first one is called soul sleep. And the, this view teaches when you die as a Christian, you go to sleep and then you're raised on the last day. Martin Luther believed in soul sleep. And they asked him, Dr. Luther, what do you think will be the first thing you hear after you die? And he said, I expect to hear someone knocking on my coffin saying, time to get up, Dr. Luther. And his view was you go to sleep for thousands of years or whatever, and then you come back to life on the last day. Most Lutherans, most Christians do not follow Luther on this. They believe in the second view, which is called the intermediate state, meaning that when you die, you immediately go to be with Christ. The problem is, you can find Bible verses that teach both views. There are verses in the Bible about Christians falling asleep and then being raised on the last day. There's also verses in the Bible that talk about immediately going to be with Christ. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today, not, not 5,000 years from today, today you'll be with me in paradise. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, it says Moses and Elijah from the Old Testament showed up and start talking to Jesus. They're not sleeping, they're awake and talking. And then Paul says, I desire to depart and be with Christ for that is far better than staying on earth. Well, that doesn't sound like sleep. So which is it? Well. If you believe like I do that the Bible does not contradict itself, it's all true, there's, there's got to be a way to put this together. And here's the way a lot of people believe, and I think this is right. When you die, you do immediately go to be in heaven. I think my grandma is in heaven. Her spirit is in heaven, conscious. But the, the Christians in heaven do not have their new resurrection body yet. That they don't get until the end of time when Christ returns from heaven with all the saints, at which point their spirit is connected with their new resurrection body, so they are raised imperishable on the last day. So I think both are true. I do think, though, people see Jesus and go to be with Jesus now. I, I, I had a friend, when he was a Cub Scout, his platoon, little platoon, whatever they call it, a Cub Scout pack, are hiking behind their scout leader through the woods. The scout leader, he said, fell to the dirt, looked up on the path, I see you, Jesus, I see you, I'm coming, I'm coming, and he died in front of the Cub Scouts. So I think, they're, I think you immediately go to be with the Lord, but we're raised imperishable on the last day with our bodies.
new bodies. Next question. Are there degrees in heaven? Do people get varying degrees in heaven or is everybody equal? Well, there's a story. A wealthy woman dies and goes to the pearly gates. St. Peter says, let me give you the tour. St. Peter takes her in the gates and, and then shows her around and says, and there's a little white cottage on the side of the street and says, Madam, this is where your home is for eternity. She looked across the street and here's this huge mansion. Well, St. Peter, who gets to live there? Well, Madam, that house is for your chauffeur. My chauffeur, why do I get this little house and he gets the mansion? Well, Madam, we built your house up here with the materials that you sent ahead of us, ahead of yourself, while you were on earth. <laughs> now, the question we're asking, though, is, is that true? Are there varying degrees? Don't take that story literally. We're not talking about size of houses. But are there varying degrees in heaven? I think there are. And, and let me tell you where I get this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul, is, Paul the Apostle is talking about Judgment Day. And read it for yourself. I'm going to paraphrase it. Paul the Apostle says, I came to Corinth and I laid the foundation, which is Christ. I laid the foundation of the house. Now I had to leave and other men are building upon that foundation. Other teachers are coming, building upon my teaching. Let each person be careful how he builds on that foundation because one person builds with wood stubble straw. The other man builds a house of gold, precious jewels, etc. Judgment day comes and the fires are testing each house. One man has his reward remain, and he goes into heaven with reward. The second man, his house gets burned, and it says he himself is saved because he had the foundation of Christ, but he goes into heaven as if through fire. In other words, he goes smoking in. There are two kinds of people on Judgment Day. If you have Christ as your foundation, we're saved by grace, you get into heaven. But if you built with the wrong stuff, you didn't follow Christ like you should, it says you'll lose your reward. You'll go to heaven, but you won't have the rewards that the other man had because he served Christ. So I think there are varying degrees of reward. So let me ask you the question before we move on. Are you laying up treasures in heaven? Here's what Jesus said in, in Mar Mar Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. There's a story of a man that was on a shipwreck and he is pushed ashore on this island. And the natives come and find the man and, and they, they make him king. And they said, we have a tradition in our island. If somebody comes to us from a shipwreck, we make them king for a year. Everything you want is yours. Well, they made him king. And he had a wonderful life. Well, near the, and then they said, though, you need to know at the end of the year, there is an island beyond the horizon. And we put you in a boat by yourself. And at the end of the year, we push you out where you go to that desert island and you starve to death. Well, he, he's coming to the end of his year. And he says to the natives, am I still your king? Oh, yes. Will you still do whatever I tell you? Oh, yes then I want you to fill boatload after boatload full of animals and plants and all kinds of things. Send them to that island beyond the horizon. <laughs> are you laying up treasures on earth? Or are you generous to missions, to the poor, to your church? Are you building your treasure in heaven? Two men were dying in the hospital. 
One man was very agitated. The nurse walks in, are, are you hurt? Can I get you some pain? Uh, oh, anything wrong? And the man said, yes, there is something wrong. He's going to his treasure. I'm leaving mine. Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven. Next question. What about purgatory? The Catholic Church teaches that most Christians, when they die, have unconfessed sin on their soul. So you go to purgatory for a time period where you have your sins purged off or burned off. That's the teaching of the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church teaches you can get an indulgence from the Catholic Church that gives you time off of purgatory. Question is, is that true? I'm a Lutheran. I'm a evangelical type Protestant. I don't believe in purgatory for two reasons. Number one, it's not in the Bible. Jesus talks about heaven. He talks about hell. He never mentions purgatory. Some Catholics think you get purgatory out of 1 Corinthians 3 that I just talked about where two men are building on the foundation. But read 1 Corinthians 3. It's talking about judgment day, not purgatory. But the main reason I don't believe in purgatory is the finished work of Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. All of your sins are paid for. If you trust in me, your sins are forgiven. You're going to heaven. So if he completed the work of atonement, why do I go to purgatory? Next question. What about reincarnation? Hindus and New Age people believe in reincarnation, which means you come back to the earth a lot. Maybe you're a human one time, a cow the next time, maybe a human again, and, then, and when you finally come back to earth a lot and get rid of all your bad karma, your bad deeds, then you go to nirvana, which they believe is you're absorbed back into the universe. There's no hope in Hinduism. Your biggest hope is that you become absorbed and you become nothing again. That's Hinduism. And now and then you'll meet a Christian who will say, well, I'm a Christian, but I believe in reincarnation. And is there a verse that, that says, no, you don't? Yes, there is. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9. It is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment. Not five or six times. I mean, I remember years ago being in Nepal, the only Hindu, Christian left, uh, Hindu nation left on earth. Cows were blocking the traffic all over Kathmandu because those are holy cows. That could be your grandmother. They, th that's called reincarnation. Well, so there's no he there is a heaven and a hell. There's no reincarnation. There's no purgatory. Last question. This is the big but this is the big question about heaven. How do I get in? <laughs> that's the big question. And if you've never heard this, let me say it. Maybe for the first time for some people, we're saved by grace alone, by God's grace alone, not by your good works. Let, let me let me read the verse. Ephesians chapter two. The apostle Paul says, "Quote." For by grace, that means God's unearned favor. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, of your good works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so we would walk in them. So, back to Kevin. <laughs> I'm sitting at Kevin's dinner table, eating dinner with him and his wife in his mansion in California. And I wanted to somehow work the gospel into our conversation. So I said, 
you know, what the theme of this pastor's conference is that I'm at? That we're saved by God's grace alone, not by our good works. Now, Kevin's wife then said, well, I go to a church of Christ. Now, there's the United Church of Christ, which is hyper-liberal. There's the Church of Christ, which is extremely conservative, kind of legalistic, and you get the impression they think they're the only Christians on earth, some of them anyway. And that, she's part of the conservative one. And she said, no, no, I think you're saved by both. You're saved by God's grace and by your good works. And I said, I don't think you want to say that because then you'll never know if you're saved because you'll never know if you have enough good works. The Bible teaches we're saved by Christ alone on the cross. Now, granted, once you're saved by grace alone, he, God does change your life, but you still won't be perfect by even a million miles away. The only thing, uh, good works are the evidence where we're saved, but the only thing that saves us is Christ on the cross. I sure hope she understood that. You know, I hope you understand that too. Hallelujah, Ephesians chapter two, we're saved by grace, not by our good works. Only Christ can save us. One last point about heaven. Because our hope is in heaven, we can suffer on earth. Ephesians, uh, Romans chapter eight says, Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. So I think because we know there's a heaven, you can suffer for Christ today. Let me read this. Eritrea is a country in Africa. More than 2,000 Christians have been arrested in Eritrea, imprisoned in dark cells and metal shipping containers. These believers have never been taken to court. They have been tortured and some martyred. Azib Simon was a courageous woman who endured repeated torture even after she contracted malaria. Abzib was given two choices, to recant her Christian faith and receive medication or refuse and die of malaria. She chose to refuse. She's now gone to be with the Lord. Mahari Asgadam, aged 42, was tortured by Eritrean officials who tried to force him to return to Islam and renounce his faith in Christ. Despite wanting to see his wife and family again, Mahari decided to persevere even under torture he remained faithful to Christ to the end, and he died. And see, I, I don't know if you can do that if you don't believe there's a heaven. <laughs> All right, let's sum this up. My point in this sermon has been, what is the use of having a mansion on earth if you don't have a mansion in heaven? And I'll close with this. A group of tourists are traveling around Europe. They go into a huge European cathedral. The docent takes them on a tour of the building. Here are the stained glass windows from the 1500s. And here's the beautifully carved choir stalls from the 1600s. And here's the last judgment mural uh, from the 1400s. And, and this gorgeous, huge church, at the end of the tour, he says to the tourists, any questions? One lady in the back put up her hand. Yeah, anybody got saved here lately? <laughs> I love that story. You know, what does it matter if you've got a beautiful church, if you've got a huge house with beautiful furniture? Are you saved? That's what matters. I hope you are. I hope you're trusting in Christ alone for your salvation. Amen.
Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, I guess in light of what you've said, do we become angels when we die? Yeah. You remember the old Bugs Bunny uh, cartoons? In Bugs Bunny cartoons, when Bugs or Daffy Duck, somebody dies, they go to heaven, they get a harp, they have a, holo, a halo, and they get wings. None of that's in the Bible. Jackie, Jesus said when we die, we become like angels in the sense that we're not married. That's all that meant. So we don't become angels because angels, angels are spirits. They never become human. So where did that teaching come from? You know, I think it came from a misunderstanding. Of, that's why we've got to read the Bible carefully. I always like to read it with Bible commentaries with me because uh, that's a twisting of a verse uh, in what is, I think it's in Mark where Jesus says, you become like angels. Okay. When exactly were angels created? They were, well, it talks about the angels rejoicing on the day that God created the, the world. So before, somewhere, sometime before God created the creation, he created the angels. So angels were there before we ever even had anything. Yeah, I th somewhere I made a job. I should have looked it up. There's, there's a verse or two about the angels rejoicing at the creation of the world. But they're not eternal. Angels are not eternal. They were created at a point in only God's eternal. Okay, then I guess the question would be, what is the purpose of angels? Yep. If you read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, it says their job is to serve us. The Christians on earth and to protect us and Psalm 91 says their job is to praise and serve God Psalm 103 verse 20 so those those are the purposes of the angels to protect believers okay so then I guess are angels the same as your spirit guide then yeah. would you say this is sad because the New Age movement likes to use Christian terminology and give it a whole different meaning and so some of the New Age uh, books talk about this. You have a spirit guide, Jackie. You have this spirit that surrounds you or, or is in you that leads you and guides you to talk to your dead relatives or whatever else. And uh, an angel is not a New Age spirit guide. An angel is a creation of God. And you're not supposed to talk to your angel like, you know, that kind of thing. I, I'll, I'll give you an example, Jackie. My mom, Missouri Synod Lutheran, conservative, started watching too much TV on, uh, in her last years. There used to be a psychic on TV by the name of Sylvia who writes lots of books. And, and, my, and I said, Mom, why are you watching Sylvia? This was back when the Montel Williams, why are you watching Sylvia on Montel? And she would give readings kind of and tell people, oh, your, your dead uncle says hello, you know, this kind of stuff. And Mom, what are you doing? Oh, no, Sylvia's a good Christian. She talks about God and angels. <laughs> See, that's because, the devil's sneaky. He'll take Christian terminology and give it a whole different meaning. But doesn't bring Christ into no, it, though. No, absolutely. Or they might use Christ as your, Christ is the spirit guy. You know, oh, they, they okay. turn him into something else. So, All right. So I explain again. Who are the fallen angels? Yeah. Um, in Jude 6, chapter, well, there's only one chapter in Jude. In Jude, chapter 1, verse 6, talks about the angels who left their proper abode and were, were cast into uh, pits of darkness. So these were angels who used to be angels. They rebelled against God and they became a, a fallen angels uh, today. Okay. In Genesis 6, 
Do angels have sex with women? Yeah, w one of the more difficult passages yeah. of the Bible is Genesis chapter six, where it talks about the giants, the Nephilim, and that they came when the sons of men had relations with women on earth, the sons of God. And, and, and the question is, what do they mean by the sons of God there? Yeah. Do they mean angels? Some people take it that way. Okay. That's one possible Christian interpretation. Other people take them to mean that, that these very tall people, like the Watusi today will say, these very tall people who they called the sons of God because they were so big, they had sex with women and produced you know, the, the, the taller people. That, that's a strange passage. I, only the Lord knows what's going on in, in Genesis 6. <laughs> so, um, Do the Catholics today still believe in purgatory? They do, yeah. Now, you can meet a lot of Catholics and say, well, I don't believe in purgatory, but their, their official teaching is, yes, there's a purgatory. Yeah. Okay, and isn't it true that they also believe that you have to have indulgences right. to get out of purgatory? If and you're, can you explain that? Well, yeah, if you're, this is Catholicism, this is not my view. Not everybody goes to purgatory when they die. Some people go immediately to heaven upon death because they, their sins are all, the sins are confessed and they've, they've gone through the right route. Um, but they think most people go to purgatory. And this is what started the Protestant Reformation. What have we got? Okay, real quick. Martin Luther was a Catholic monk. But when Tetzel came through town selling indulgences in order to build St. Peter's Cathedral, Martin Luther said, enough. And he started the Protestant Reformation. Again, because indulgences aren't in the Bible, purgatory is not in the Bible. It's still official Catholic doctrine, however. You know, Tom, I think we're going to have to do a continuation of this show because I still have some more questions okay. for you. And sure. I'm sure that yeah. even you as viewers still have some questions <laughs> yeah. that you'd like to have answered. Yeah. So maybe we should just close with sure. prayer for at this time. And thanks for being with us this week. And, you know, being a part of this ministry mm -hmm. as viewers is the most important thing that keeps us going. Yes. So thank you again. Uh, if you saw the show about what, eight months ago, we thought we'd have to withdraw from some cities because of money. But we prayed and you gave. And so just thank you. And now we're expanding some. When we get enough money, we just keep adding cities. So. Thank you for that. Pray for our ministry more than anything. And, you know, Jackie, let's do that. Maybe there's someone watching this show and they're not on their way to heaven. And we've got 30 seconds. We're going to pray for you. Let's just take a minute. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I would just ask you to say these words out loud after me. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I am sorry and turn from my sin. Forgive me. Wash me through your blood. I do believe you died for my sins and rose again. I put my trust in you alone for my salvation. In your name, amen. And if you prayed that, I want to encourage you, find a good church, start going every week, open your Bible, read it every day, pray. But we're only saved by Jesus, and you need him to get into heaven. Amen. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, 
Would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.